Welcome to Spirit Behind the Screen. Each episode, your host, Marty McCurdy, deep dives on industry trends around high reliability electronics and the supply chain in aerospace and defense. This is episode 55 with Spirit Quality Director Estefania Romero on export compliance. This is Marty McCurdy with Spirit Electronics on our podcast, Behind the Screen, and I welcome today our Director of Quality, Mrs. Estefania Romero. Hey, Marty. Again, this is Estefania. I'm the Quality Director for Spirit, and I'm super happy to be here. Thank you, and thank you for saving me from saying your entire last name (laughs) and your married name. Uh, It's quite a tongue twister, so thank you so much. I'm glad you joined me today. I think one of the challenges that we've faced in this past 2023 year with the growing escalation of things in the world has been our export compliance. So as our director, I know you're all over it with the team and uh, trying to make sure that Spirit is in compliance. So let's just touch on a few things there and talk about the export compliance from the quality side. So give us a little bit of an update of, you know, start with a basic, the export compliance requirements or or what we're talking about and then what quality is doing to address it. Yeah, so one of the things that we've been working on is to generate a handbook for export compliance that allows the team to reference it whenever they have doubts or whenever they don't know what certain things mean or so on. And what I found out during the buildup of this document or the handbook itself is that we were very deep in compliance already It's just we didn't have a document itself that tells us specifically what we do. So now this is better because we can give that to our customers as well and they know how well and deep we are with this compliance in this program. So that's the, the highlight for me. I was so proud of our team already because we were doing all of these things. And the only other thing is that now whenever somebody has a question, they can come to me when the answer is not uh, ready available for them in the handbook. That allows everybody to understand more about the components, more about the supplier, how they work, legally speaking, how we have to handle those components and who we can do business with or not. Great. Well, you you did touch on something that you were proud of your team, and I, I just want you to say... Congratulations, because your team absolutely does a great job. I know this is audit season for us. (laughs) Oh, my uh, goodness. uh, It's the big audits, but we really have somebody in here every couple, two, three weeks auditing us, and your team is always exceptional in that. So just a shout out to you. So thank you for that. I do appreciate that the requirements that your team is putting in place is in compliance and in writing now because I do see you communicating with the sales team on you know what's the customer and things like that so as far as like business continuity goes I I appreciate that you're applying those requirements but also we, we have a business to run and customers to be able to answer to so give us a little bit of a an idea of the process that you go through to kind of vet it out, right? Like Thomas, I saw you had one the other day, so you're vetting it out, right? So it's not just ITAR, it's other things that come into play. Yeah, and it's also, you know, having or allowing that conversation with the customer as well to understand what is the process they are gonna be using the components on, how are they gonna be handling them, and understanding who is the end user of that component, regardless of the program 
or the location or so on. So I think that's a great avenue, not only for quality to engage with our customers directly so they know that they can rely on what we're doing, but also on the sales side because they know that they can go to that person already if they procure that component before. So I had to go through all of the regulation uh, related to the ER so I could understand a little bit more and support the team better. So there's fabulous resources out there from the BIS website. They share all this information on how to create the program or so on. So it honestly was like two days for me because the program was already in place. So we did it super quick and that allows the team also like, for example, just like yes, no questions, super quick. And that also helps like the turnaround with the customer. Right. So they are not waiting on, oh, let me send it to your legal department and figure out. So we caught time there as well, as you were mentioning, Marty Thomas. So we had this one order that the customer wanted to order hundred different part numbers or so on. So we had to break it down and come into like a graded agreement with them, understanding what is, what are their policies? How are they handling the components again? So I had the opportunity to look at their program as well. And that also gives me the certainty to know that they are compliance with us regulation and if you know for any reason something were to happen we know who to go to and what to do and how to act Mm -hmm. yeah so the due diligence on our side is certainly there and then you touched on one other thing also just for our customers that are listening is that it does require an end use statement yeah often so the process though from a customer standpoint let's say we are exporting an itar product it requires a license from them right and that's not a license from the Commerce Association, which we've seen recently, but this is a like a DOD export license. Right. It's very uh, detailed and integrated to the actual component level, right? So that's why we cannot have a license for 10 different products at a time, but one because of the usage of that particular component. Right. So as a distributor, this is very key for our, our business uh, on a day-to-day basis, but also then we have pretty extreme value add going on with our announcement recently of the TI Foundry access. So that's going to provide us with opportunities to get even more entrenched in, you know, very sensitive, let's call it documentation, drawings, that kind of thing that we might have to control from an export license for some of these things. So certainly the the Foundry on our ASIC program is going to come into play there, very key. And it's not only ITAR, though, but I think you mentioned also EAR, right? So that's a bit of another twist. Yeah. So obviously we know military components that we handle every day and a huge amount. So it doesn't matter if the, the component itself doesn't have a military purpose. However, it could be used in a military setting or space or aircraft or so on. So that also comes in place in making those decisions of do we need to control it in the same way as an ITER component? Or if it's EAR, we still might need a license depending on what it is and who the customer is, what country is going to be at, or the usage of it. And as you were mentioning before, also our end user forms and so on, we've revamped those to capture more information that we were capturing already. And they are willing to sign that taking accountability for the regulation itself as well. Yeah, that's very key, right? So I think everybody is a group effort, right? Make sure we control our, I look at these as government assets, right? Yeah. Um, that, that they're protected and safe. 
Speaking of that, I know that you know the big lift that goes on here with our team and you on cybersecurity. So the cybersecurity side of it also ties into the compliance because these are controlled documents. So that again kind of falls on your team for some oversight. Yeah, uh, I call it components, but in reality, I want to I want to mention like everything, right? Because anything can be exportable documents, software, anything that you can imagine. If it goes outside of the country, it becomes a control component to my language. Mm -hmm. I don't, I just make that uh, general statement about that. But yes, we do control everything through our cybersecurity as well. And we have to rely also on the same flow. What is it going to be used at? Who is going to be using it? So everything falls under the same flow or the same analysis so we can make a educated decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, certainly it ties together with our cybersecurity restrictions and also like you mentioned you know what countries are we selling to so you know let's call them the bad actors right we obviously our suppliers are very keen and we talk to them all the time I know you have QBRs with them about the the sanctions that are out there and what countries we cannot ship to nor do we want to but basically this really is in in conjunction with our suppliers and the receiving customer to manage these sanctions so the the countries that are obvious right Russia and North Korea, you know, China, we elect not to do business with. So um, that really is part of your your vetting process. Yeah, the analysis and the disposition of the components, I would call it, as you were mentioning, it's not only all of those countries that are banned from our sanction list or the commerce list or all the hundreds of lists that are there that are part of our program also that we have to check every time but also those ones that you elect not to do business because we don't know them, we don't know what they're actually doing, and they cannot comply with our program as well. So that's very important. Yes, it's uh, plus it's hard to get paid, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. We can't go knock on the door, hey, you owe us money, right? <laughs> it takes a minute to get over there. One of the other things I was going to tie in, uh, I think you and your team have done this absolutely tremendous job on counterfeiting, right? So you took that and created a manual for that. And this is also what you've done with export compliance. So it really all ties together, especially like when we onboard new employees, which happens pretty frequently these days, that this is all part of that training program and it all kind of ties and integrates into one with the, the depth that you've gone on, on our manuals, not just a one page policy, right? Yeah, um, thank you for mentioning that. Something that I've heard from people that were trying to give advice on how to generate or create the program was like, do not link it to your quality system because it, it will tie into many things. But as you know us, we're very tight. So we, we wanted to include it into our quality management system so we can control it in a better way and we can support everybody in a better way as well. Not only our employees, our sales department, but also our customer, and most of all, to protect our suppliers as well of like the product that they are making. Right. Yes. Counterfeiting is, uh, you know, it's a, a known art, whether, you know, our VP Zef Malik always says, you know, why would people counterfeit aspirin if you're going to do anything counterfeit Viagra, right? And we're just like, okay, yeah, that <laughs> makes sense, right? So same with us. Like we have very inexpensive parts, but they're still crucial components. And then we have the very high end you know, FPGAs that are the most commonly counterfeited product in the marketplace. But it's all about, yes, protecting our suppliers and the supply chain. But also it's, again, comes back to that government IP, right? We're sensitive to that, trying to protect our national interests, right? right. So it's very important to all of us. 
Uh, well, thank you so much. Is there any other thoughts you have before we sign off today? No, if you need anything from Export Compliance, just hit me up. I'm here. Thanks for listening with Spirit this week. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast to let us know what you want to hear about in aerospace and defense. You can find out more about Spirit's value-added services and product lines at spiritelectronics.com.